1: Lyft started trading on the Nasdaq last Friday at eighty-seven dollars twenty-four cents a share, which was twenty-one percent above its initial uh, initial public offering of seventy-two dollars. Though the stock closed the end of the day at seventy-eight twenty-nine and has been on the decline to start out the new week. The ride-sharing company is just one of a wave of IPOs coming from tech companies in twenty nineteen. Others expected include Uber, Pinterest, Airbnb, Postmates, and others. It's noteworthy that many of these companies aren't aren't currently profitable, nor are they close to being so. So why, then, are they going public, and are they a good buy for investors right now? David Wessels is an adjunct professor of finance and director of the executive education program here at the Wharton School. He joins me in studio. Also joining us is Tim Loughran, who's a professor of finance at Notre Dame's, University of Notre Dame's Mendoza College of Business. Uh, David, great to see you again. Good to see you as well. Thank you. Tim, great to have you with us today.
2: Thanks for having me on, David. Thank and you, Dan. Thank you.
1: So uh, I guess the question for a lot of people is why now,
0: David, and why all of this interest all of a sudden? Why not before? It's, right. It's taken a long right. time. And I, I think what we've seen uh, happen in the last 10 years is the private markets now are, are pretty large and pretty impressive and can fund a company for a very long time. At some point, though, the employees, the management team, they want to see some kind of liquidity. Right? So right. I think there was probably a lot of internal pressure for some of these firms to finally say, OK, let's go to the public markets. There's no question that employees can get liquidity through other means, but it's difficult. And so there's a number of employees that are probably putting a, a tremendous amount of pressure. The other reason why you would go public is for additional credibility. Right? So yeah. uh, we can now take a, a better look inside the company and really understand what's going, ha- going on. But I don't know how important credibility is today just because people know Lyft, right, as consumers, people understand it. Sure. So if I had to sort of put any sort of pressure on why the immediacy – probably something around liquidity, where people within the company, whether it be the founders, whether it be the venture capitalists, whether it be the employees, you know, are looking to actually monetize some of that wealth. Tim, your thoughts?
2: Look at the S&P. It's at 2,800. The first quarter of 2019 was record-setting, 13.1%. Best first quarter since 1998. The market is red hot. Mm -hmm. It's a very high level. Dan, if I want to go public, I want to go public when investors are optimistic about my future growth. And you hit it, kind of Lyft and all these other, Pinterest and Uber, they're burning cash, and yet the market assigns a very high value.
1: Well, and Tim, I find it interesting, as I mentioned at the top, is the fact that uh, all of these companies want to go public, yet when you think about the profitability of of some of these companies, it it has been marginal, I think, in, in many cases, Tim.
2: Dan, it's worse than that. So you look at Lyft. As their revenue has been going up over the last three years, they're losing more and more money. And I was looking through their uh, IPO prospectus. I meant 2016 was somewhat funny. I meant they lost more money than their revenue was.
1: Right. So what does this mean then, David, for investors who are thinking about,
0: hey, you know what? Let me drop $10,000 on Lyft or $1,000 on Lyft. Boy, you know, it's hard to say because I can, I can actually make two completely different arguments. Right. You've got some companies out there like Booking, which is commonly known as Priceline, yeah. and these guys are wildly profitable. It took them yeah. a while to get there, but now they're generating something like $5 billion of profitability on you know, $10 billion of revenue. I mean, mm-hmm. just wildly profitable. Right. On the other hand, you're right. You've got companies like Lyft, which are losing money, and the question is why are they losing money? Are they losing money because they want to expand into new geographic regions and so really that's an investment in the future or are they losing money because they can't make money? There's, right. there's a difference, right? The big difference between uh, booking and, and Lyft is that you have the drivers yeah. and you have, to, you have to attract drivers and attracting yeah. drivers is difficult. I think the average driver stays something like nine months and so there's all kinds of incentives – That Lyft is putting in place to keep drivers there, which means they're losing money because of those incentives. So let's say that we find the right price. We all love using Lyft. We all love using Uber. But is it because the price is low? Or is it if we were to, let's say, double prices, um, would we be as excited to use these ride-sharing services? And so that's really the kind of question as an investor that you have to answer. Are we going to go down the left path where this is the next – You know, booking where these companies will be generating 50% margins on enormous revenues. I mean, we're talking massive revenues here.
1: Right. Well, there's something to be said, Tim. I I think when when you use the example that David puts out with booking – Dot com And their website, obviously, they are you providing a service in terms of hotel, rental car, whatever it might be on the Internet in comparison with an, uh, a Lyft or potentially an Uber maybe later this year where you do have all of the personnel that's kind of involved as well.
2: I totally agree. And, you know, what's interesting is I think of all the companies you've mentioned, the one that interests me the most is Airbnb because I think it's most like this home run Booking and Priceline, right? Expedia. Yeah. They're not owning the hotels. They're just taking a little cut. They have a couple servers, much better business model than Lyft, Uber.
1: So then are some of these companies that are that are coming forward then Tim, are they should we expect them to have these types of struggles moving forward because that these are also components that they need to have for their company? I I agree, but let's talk
2: about an upside of Lyft. Imagine if I do self-driving cars. We eliminate the drivers. Oh my yeah. goodness, yeah. this could be a cash cow.
0: Just huge. I mean, and would, the revenues would, are really, really large here. I mean, yeah. oh, I agree. $2.2 2
2: billion? Yeah. I mean,
0: that's <laughs> enormous, yeah. right? And if you take a look at, at Uber, $10 billion. I was looking up the taxi industry just to see how large it was. Yeah. You know, it's a $6 billion industry. Half of that came from New York. Already Uber's at $10 billion. On $50 billion, of gross revenue, right, sure. on, the, on the total right. revenue that, that people pay. $50 billion of revenue. These numbers are just enormous. And right now yep. they're taking a 20% slice of that. The question, though, goes fundamentally to profitability. Right, And that, yeah. as an investor, that's what you're making the bet on. But
1: the, the question, I think, becomes then, as we move forward yeah. with when you use the example of Lyft versus the taxi yeah. industry, yeah. obviously, I, I think the taxi industry has taken a little bit of a hit because of the perception. A of, little. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> little, exactly. The understatement <laughs> I, of, t- be, of the day. It's Monday. Polite, I got it's it. It's April Fool's. I'm trying to be kind here. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is, it, you know, it has taken a hit because yeah. of the perception of what a taxi ride is these days in comparison to Lyft. Right where in many cases you are driving in somebody's car and the expectation is that that car is going to be clean and it's going to get you to exactly where you want to go in 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 an appropriate time,
0: no matter the cost. Well, two comments. The first is, now that they're public... There'll be an analyst community who's following them and asking tough questions. And yeah. the analysts are going to want to know these answers uh, as well. Yeah. So from that perspective, maybe we'll get – now that they're public, maybe we'll get a little bit better understanding of how much uh, compensation is going to the drivers to sort of subsidize the system. Right. Because the subsidies will need to disappear. You, at some point, you're going to have to be profitable. Yeah. When the growth rates come down, investors shift towards – Growth is being the primary focus to generating cash flow. And and the growth rates do come down. Right now, Lyft is 100% growth per year. Uber is only at 40% growth per year. Right. Booking is at 12% or 15% growth per year. Right. So when you get large, just by the pure size of it, the growth rates come down.
1: So does that also mean, Tim, that the potential of, let's say, one quarter, two quarter, or three quarters out, and maybe over the, over the course of this time, that – As we start to see some of these numbers, then we have the potential of seeing more change, more adaptation on a Lyft or or another company that will be going public in this type of space.
2: I totally agree. I want to talk about like one of the most successful IPOs we've seen in a while, Facebook. And let's contrast Facebook with Lyft. I mean, right out of the box, Facebook was really profitable. They had trailing earnings of over a billion. I just looked it up. 2018 numbers. $22 Twenty-two billion in profits.
1: Staggering wow. numbers. Staggering
0: wow. numbers. Yeah. Wow. You know, and the thing, the thing that's interesting about Facebook, I remember going back to visit it 10 years ago, and already it was, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. And I, I asked where the people were, and they were like, what people? I mean, there were like yeah. just a few hundred people working. Yeah. The scalability of these businesses is, is just enormous. But again, Facebook doesn't have the drivers, right? So, right. and not right. that Lyft or Uber own these drivers. They don't, they're individuals, but right. people take time to recruit, right? It takes effort to recruit them, right? And, it, and, and that scale is a little bit more difficult than people flooding to your website or the network effects of a Facebook coming online. But but Tim is right. I mean, the profitability potential of these companies, given their revenues, is just absolutely staggering. And if you take a look at, at uh, the top 10 or 20 companies now by market cap, Uh, or you take even a look at the top 10 or 20 companies by uh, revenue, it's amazing to see how much has shifted towards tech, how much has shifted towards mobile. It it really is a revolution. Uh, Unlike what we've seen in a long time, I I was saying earlier, I even think this is bigger than the PC revolution as far as the the shifting of dollars to mobile and the shifting of dollars to tech. It's it's definitely exceeded anything that I would have ever predicted 20 years ago.
1: Tim, obviously a lot of names are being thrown about now uh, as, as companies that have either filed and are getting ready for their IPOs or are rumored uh, to have their IPO this year. Of that group of names, are there one or two that really stand out to you? I think a lot of people would say Uber because of the massive valuation that it has already. But are there ones that you look at and you are really interested in seeing how they actually play out?
2: Yeah, Pinterest. Mm -hmm. They just did an S1 filing. Um, Unlike Uber, as time has gone on, they're losses have kind of dissipated a little bit they still lost 63 million in 2018 but that's a great demographic i have a wife i have a daughter they're on pinterest all the time
0: david yeah i mean uh, tim already mentioned it as well airbnb i mean there's yeah. there's yeah. a whole number of companies and i think that um uh we can't understate the effect that tim talked about right from the outset of of, of the program this morning the markets are hot And they they won't be hot forever. Right. And you definitely have to sell up into an upmarket. And so if if I'm these companies and I'm watching the Ubers and the Lyfts and the Pinterest and the Airbnbs finally pull the trigger, um, you know, perhaps it's time for for an opening of the floodgates.
1: But I also saw an interview late last week that said to, to be worried to a degree about an opening of the floodgates. Even with the markets as strong as they are, you, do you want to make sure that, that you don't have so many of it that, that, that you overheat the system overall? Or as we are right now with the markets, you
0: know, the Dow above 26,000, are we just you know going to go with it right now? A lot of investors thrive in uncertainty, right? I mean, they, a yeah. lot of investors, th- when there's certainty, I mean, wh- how, how do you place a bet? Right. When you're right. trying to bet on Campbell's soup and the gross margins have haven't changed in 20 years and the, and the growth rates have been 3 percent. There's not a lot of movement in the price. Right. I think investors are going to be pretty excited about this. Maybe they shouldn't be excited about it. Right. I and mean, we the more you trade very often, the more you lose. Uh, but uh, I think that people like this uncertainty of, of, of quote, playing the markets, yeah. trying to make their own perspectives on on how these companies will perform over time because there's such enormous uncertainties. How large are these markets? Is Pinterest, you know, another, you know, 100 billion dollar company? How long? Yeah. You know. If every person on the planet is touching Pinterest, how how large can that possibly be? So there's some exciting questions out there. And then, of course, the questions around profitability. Um, But again, the profitability can be there. There is upside. We've seen it with Facebook with enormous profitability numbers. We've seen it with Booking.com. Tim?
2: You know, when you look at the IPO volume, it doesn't look really red hot to me, even though the market is doing great. 2018, there's only 134 IPOs, US IPOs that went public. 2017, 107. I mean, this is pretty small. Right. So I'm not really worried about an over.
0: Yeah, small market. compared to what 1995, though, right? Because this is this is a yeah. boom compared to what 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, but like in 2016, there's only 75 IPOs that went public. I mean, so I'm not really overly worried about the market getting too hot. Okay. But if I was a manager. I mean definitely now is the time I really think about going public.
0: Yeah, no I agree and and the question is on a net basis how many of these companies will survive because sure. the other thing once you become public you also then can become a target. Sure. Right? So yeah. it's it's a it I'm not saying it's a lot easier but you know it it's it, you know, if a company's out there and it's trading for a few billion dollars, and you know you're sitting there as Google or Facebook with a war chest that's quite large, it's yeah. pretty easy to make an acquisition of a public company. Not that they couldn't do that with a private company as well, but it's that much easier with with the shares publicly traded.
1: But it, what what we've seen with the with the shares of Lyft, David, in, in the first couple of trading days, is not a surprise. I mean, we've seen similar type of activity in that you see the IPO price put out. In this case, you know the the actual first sale price was 20% higher than that, but it has come back. And and a lot of companies, when they do their IPO, they do come back
0: to a degree. I have my opinions, but I'm going to defer to Tim because he's the world's expert on this. Okay. Tim? No,
2: no, I think think you're absolutely right. I mean, in some ways, it's, Initially, it's only the buyers that are interested. Yeah. And so once I could start short selling Lyft, then we'll really find out what the true
1: price is. So you mentioned Airbnb a little bit ago, Tim. And when you look at that company, I, I guess to a degree they, there, are, there are quite a few similarities to what you would see from a Lyft or an Uber because of the fact that, that you, you are working with the consumer, but you do have the vehicle of using a third party as kind of the, the, the person that is providing the, the property for somebody to want to rent.
2: I think Airbnb can be red hot. When I talk to my Notre Dame students, they don't really use Expedia, Hotwire, uh, Priceline. They use Airbnb. I mean, it really
1: is the future. Why so?
2: It's just cheaper. Um, they're really more conscious. It's kind of an adventure every single weekend when they use it.
1: So then, you know? what, so then, what does that? What is that going to hold then for the hotel industry? Do you think <laughs> moving forward?
2: I don't know why they—I mean, in some ways, I'm a little bit surprised that some of the hotels are a little slow to the game. I mean, the big winners are the ones that sell their rooms, and they're holding all this, um, you know, all this net property plan equipment in the hotels. So I just think it's a great way of selling stuff, um, you know, opening up people's houses and vacation homes.
0: Yeah. David? You know, one of the big questions that we had with Lyft and Uber, which we seem to get around, but we still have with Airbnb is regulation, right? Yeah, so I agree. Sure. Yeah. With Lyft and Uber, boy, you know, the taxis went after them hard. And yep. you saw all of these townships put these rules in place. And I think that the regulators loved using Uber and Lyft so much that they sort of turned a blind eye. It was just yeah. too exciting. I don't think I've been seeing that as much with Airbnb. I, I think that the regulators have really been going after Airbnb pretty hard. Um, many townships now there's significant restrictions on uh, on being able right. to list to list your home, and and it's the, I find the momentum growing, not shrinking. So whereas whereas it almost felt like a tsunami coming at you with Lyft and Uber, and, sure. and like the regulators were trying to hold it back. I I sort of feel the other direction a little bit with Airbnb. But Tim is right. I mean, consumers love it. Younger consumers, they especially love it because they see it more than just, you know, they see it more than just a cheaper room to rent. They see it a little bit as an adventure. But, you know, if the regulators come in on township by township by township um, and they start to eliminate, it could be extremely difficult for Airbnb. One
1: of the things you mentioned uh, to me before we went on, David, is the fact that this is a space with all of these tech companies that move so incredibly fast that it's hard for the regulators to stay caught
0: up with everything that potentially they might have to be considering in the years to come. I mean, there are so many open issues. You know, that we face. Yeah. I mean, and it's not like Airbnb has the only one. So I, I don't see um, governments coming in and shutting Lyft and Uber down. But what they could do is it's been in the news consistently for the last two years is what happens if if uh, states and locals uh, start to treat these as employees. Right. Right. How, yeah. how I agree. That, That's or, the key. That's or, the, that know, is the absolute key. Minimum wage and how, you know Healthcare. health benefits yeah. and, and yeah. so on. And then again, I, I, for me, I, I've been saying this for a few years now. What I've always been con- you know, concerned about if I'm if I'm an investor buying one of these companies is what is the true profitability of these companies based on what's the true price we'll pay? They've right. grown to an enormous size because the prices. Is- artificially low there's no question the price is subsidized by the companies themselves and by investors with the excuse of growth right when the growth rates come down because they have to once you're that large you're just just naturally being that big your growth rates have to come down and investors start to push more on profitability and so the subsidies start to draw to drop then the question is what will the prices then you know elevate to and will consumers still purchase it right at that new price point the answer is probably yes the question just is you know how large are these companies based on it Technology could take another step forward though, yeah. as Tim was pointing out, what happens when cars become driverless? Well, then all yeah. of a sudden, eighty percent of your costs go away yeah. Yeah. and a fifty billion dollar market is purely yours with <laughs> ridiculously low costs, like booking I think spends something like three to four percent of their revenue, their revenue, not the gross revenue the the net revenue that they generate from fees uh, on 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 overhead, which is just remarkably low because yeah. of the scalability of these businesses. Tim, your thoughts.
2: No, no, I absolutely agree. And let's talk about the Lyft. I mean, I'm worried about the Ninth Circuit, where sometimes if you read their through their IPO prospectus, they have such a long section on their lawsuits. I mean, all these people are suing them. And, I, you know, what happens when California decides, indeed, these Lyft drivers are employees? Bad day, bad day.
1: You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School in studio with David Wessels here from the Wharton School, Tim Loughran joining us from the University of Notre Dame. Your comments at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio Radio 132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. We're talking about the world of tech IPOs. Lyft hit the markets on Friday, others expect throughout the next several months. All right, let me throw out an, a, another example that is one of these companies that has been mentioned, uh, Tim, is Postmates. And, yeah. and Postmates is another, I think, one of these companies that, that is delving into a world which is very unique right now because of the advent of technology.
2: Right. I agree. I agree.
1: What do you see for, for a company like Postmates?
2: I mean, a lot of potential, a lot of interest for, for investors. We have all these unicorns going public.
0: Yeah, the only thing about Postmates is it's in a crowded space. Yeah, okay. right. There, it's, there's no clear winner yet. Yeah, um, and and when you were talking about that particular company, I was thinking about the crowded space. I was thinking, okay, well, when, you know, when do acquisitions start? Sure. Yeah. And then I started to think yeah. to myself, when will Uber buy Lyft? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> now that right. Lyft
0: is publicly traded, the right. easiest way to, for you know Uber to, to to increase their dominance is to buy Lyft, and and. And, uh, you know, would the government step in to stop something like that? Again, 25 years ago, no question about we can't have, you know, two of the largest companies merging together. The question is, you know, is there really much antitrust going on and could they have a a combination of the two? Because if you take a look at most places in tech, there's like one winner, Right. right? There's one Airbnb. There's one there's one Uber. There's one Pinterest sort of players have staked out their space. And
1: we're waiting for it to occur in the streaming space right now as well. Because, you know, because that's the expectation. But going back to Lyft, when you think about, you know, a company that would potentially want to buy it already, you have General Motors that has bought into Lyft. They have. So, I mean, it makes you wonder how much the auto industry, David, is going to even continue to to want this, especially with the autonomous possibility.
0: Are we in the the business of predictions here? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because I I look at this company and I just wonder how long it's going to be public. I really do. Really? I, yeah, I do. I mean, there's, there's, you know, Open Table was one of the most exciting companies out there. I Remember when it went public? I we, yeah. we followed in a book that we wrote, and and I think it was snapped up within a year or two. I mean, it was public for a little bit longer than yeah. that, but it wasn't public for. And long then take at it all. private. Now there are some companies that are going to be really difficult to purchase, right? Like an Uber, if it's trading at seventy billion, who can write a check that large? <laughs> but like twenty five billion isn't that large of a a, a check to write, and yeah. and especially if you had if you had some kind of game plan in place, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, let's say that you know. General Motors makes or or maybe another auto company makes some significant strides in autonomous vehicles and yeah. then wants this this outlet, sees the synergy there, and all of a sudden it's purchased. So Lyft is small enough and gritty enough and growing fast enough that maybe in two or three years, you and I will be coming back and talking about how Lyft has been pulled off the public markets by going private in an acquisition. You know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon might be able to write that check I, for something like that, right? I, absolutely. I think all the all the large tech companies could, Apple could, yeah. for instance. Not that Apple would get in that business, but you know, there's many yeah. companies could, that could easily write a $25 billion check. A $100 billion check is a little bit more difficult to right. make a financial case for, but a right. $25 billion check, uh, not so much, especially when it has the potential of doing a tr- tremendous amount of revenue.
1: But, but Tim, when you, when you have some of these companies already kind of dipping their toe into the autonomous vehicle waters, Google and, and the like, uh, it, it, I guess it wouldn't be a surprise to see the, the space potentially for an M&A deal, get a little bit wider right now.
2: Oh, I I agree. But, you know, you know what's kind of interesting about all these companies we've talked about, we haven't mentioned it, how young the co-founders are. Yeah. So Lyft. Yeah. 35 and 34 yeah uh dan you're 34 years old and you're a billionaire i mean you want to do something sure so that's that's i think might be some of the hesitation for companies like lyft pinterest are you know the co-founders are 36 i mean they they really want to be employed they want to keep doing stuff so they may be a little hesitant about selling out to somebody no matter even with the 25 billion dollar check
1: your comments again welcome at 844 Wharton, 844 942 7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. David Wessels from the Wharton School joining me in studio. Tim Lochran also joining us from the University of Notre Dame. Again, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at
0: BizRadio132. Dan, just a closing comment. I know we're wrapping up the se- yeah. se- segment. You know, there is a warning I would put out there to investors, and that is to remember that the these Tech companies are a little bit different. I'm not talking about the uncertainty. Yeah. I'm talking about the share structures. Okay. Many of them yeah. actually have what are called dual class shares. Yes. So yeah. we were just talking about the founders a few moments ago. Yeah. I can't speak <laughs> to Lyft. I haven't looked at, at, at the specifics of their ownership structure, but almost all the tech companies have been written in a way such that when you are buying into the company as a yeah. public shareholder, you are getting access to what we call cash flow rights. Yeah. You have access to the cash flow streams. You're covered. What you do not have are control rights. Yeah. Now, when you're growing fast and all is going good and the founder's a superstar, are, this is not an issue. But if the founder has a hiccup, as we've seen with Uber and we've seen with uh, you know Elon Musk, uh, then all of a sudden it becomes really difficult for the board to step up on behalf of the shareholders and, and make a difference. So just, again, a, a warning out there that when times are good, uh, these dual-class share structures are fine, but it could be a little bit tricky down the road when growth rates come down. Tim, thoughts?
2: Oh, I agree. So I looked it up. Lyft has a uh, Class A, Class B Uh, Class B are the valuable ones. They're 20 to 1 votes. So um, Green and Zimmer have just under 50 percent control. They really control it. So an uh, excellent point by David on control rights and, you know, does your vote matter?
0: And it's, it's surprising how many companies in the country actually have these dual-class sure, shares. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't think people, you know, everyday investors don't understand. And the more sophisticated investors do because they realize when all of a sudden the management team or the founding family is doing things that you're not excited about or moving the company in a direction that doesn't make sense, for whatever reasons that might be, you realize how powerless you true you truly are yeah great having you both with us thank you david good seeing you again good thanks. seeing
1: you as well tim great to have you with us today thank you for your time thank you for having me thank you and many thanks again to the university of notre dame for uh, providing us their services at their broadcast center out in south bend indiana
2: for more insight from knowledge at wharton please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu